Thanks for listening to the All About Reality Pod. And before you smash that skip ahead button, let me tell you about Breaking Tea and a sweet discount for our listeners. Breaking Tea makes cool, timely, comfy t-shirts and stuff for sports fans. If Pat Mahomes hits on a play called Jet Chip Wasp to win the Super Bowl, they've got a great-looking Jet Chip Wasp shirt the next day. If Max Muncy tells Madison Bumgarner to go get it out of the ocean, same thing. If Megan Rapinoe breaks off the are-you-not-entertained pose in the World Cup, well, you get the point. So check out the site, BreakingTea.com, and use code REALITY15 for 15% off at checkout. It'll help the pod, it'll help Breaking Tea, and it'll help you get a new favorite shirt for you or someone you love. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, All About Reality is back with the man, the myth, the legend, Sal Lito, coming to us from the Fantasy Football Funhouse. He's got big news on the horizon, and he has certainly welcomed Gooda and I for two consecutive years to the Scott Fish Potathon. This year, the man just started rolling in money like Scrooge McDuck before handing it over to, uh, to a bunch of children for, for a good cause. Sal, thanks a lot for making time for us. It's good to see you alive and well after sacrificing your health two years in a row for that Potathon. Hey, guys, it's good to be here. And let me tell you, I have to hold that money down until I go shopping in December. So, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. I got to keep thinking about those kids, you know. There's a lot of DFS games I could be playing. There's a lot of the best ones out there. I got, I got the shaky trigger finger. Sounds like I could double this money, guys. Just give me a minute at the casino. So, all right. Kids will be so happy. <laughs> Goody, what's up with you, man? How you been? Uh, I'm good. I, I'm, I'm happy to see baseball back on the tube. I know NBA is coming back. I had a little scare with the Marlins outbreak this week and more so in the what's going to happen to football vein, especially because there are no talks about a bubble right now. I think we'll get to the COVID stuff either this episode a little bit later on down the pike. Um, happy full throws of summer here. I'm wearing Yet another breaking t-shirt, Frankie Lindor. Frankie front flips when he had a home run off Mike Clevenger in a split squad game. So our sponsor, Breaking Tea, representing. Um, use that promo code REALITY15 for 15% off your order and support Breaking Tea and some charities in the podcast. Yeah, and ha- I'm, I'm always happy to talk to Sal. I mean, I, I think that, you know, one of the things in the next in the potathon is that we've done it two years in a row and built some chemistry and and, e- and that's even with fatigue of those guys and I just think he's just so, so natural at it. So I, I think that it's you know just a pretty easy, seamless conversation. So I'm 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 hop- I'm happy to jump right in. Sounds good. And Sal, it seems like we're not the only ones that have praise for your abilities. You have convinced one of the big names in our industry that you are worthy of employment. Talk to us about that a little bit, man. Yeah, it's, this is kind of funny. I, you know, over the recent years, I've seen a lot of opportunities come up. And I said to myself, uh, you know, I don't know that I have the time to put into that. You know, I work a full-time job like most of us do in a job that takes a lot of my time. And I saw Curtis Patrick, actually, uh, Colm Kelly posted the first one and Curtis Patrick quote tweeted it. You know both from Rotoviz, and they were looking for a new host for the On The Daily DFS podcast. So I just sent uh, I said, let me throw my hat in the ring. I put the how you doing gift from Joey from Friends. And Curtis hit me up immediately in a DM. He said, hey, would you be interested in the, jo- in the spot? I said, well, I'll tell you two things. Um, I'm very interested. I- I'm-, I'm an avid DFS player. I'm just not very good at it. <laughs> so <laughs> he said, well, listen, honesty is the best policy. He said, but um, we have a lot of good DFS guys that are interested, but none with your podcast savvy, which was a great compliment to me. I felt, that made me feel great. I have been doing this five years now, so I do think I have a nice natural uh, ability with it, which was cool. But no, listen, I, I've had some minor success with DFS. I wish I had more money to throw in there on a weekly basis, but I'm trying to raise a family and pay bills. So I said, listen, if I'm not the right fit for the job and somebody else – don't put no harm, no foul. You know, it's great. And he reached out to me this morning. He said, listen, we've talked about it for a few days. And I think they decided to go with a three-man booth as opposed to two. Uh, so Matt Jones is going to return. And then TJ Calkins and myself are going to join Matt. TJ's great. I play in a few leagues with him. The guy knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's doing. It's a good group. And I couldn't be more excited for the new venture and to, uh, to dig deeper into DFS and, and really – just engulf myself and I'm, I'm going to be on vacation next week. And I can tell you that uh, I'll be doing nothing but DFS research and 
and just trying to, you know, get myself on the level of those other two guys. And when in doubt, I'll just be a goofball and funny and, and rely on my personality. There is something to be said for the every man in that booth. And then for those of us that can, uh, certainly it resonates with us that you're raising a family, you're trying to do this. I think listening to you guys will hurt my relationship with my family a little bit more as I add another podcast to my listening schedule. But, uh, but I can appreciate it and, and seriously wish you the best luck with that venture. It's, it's fun to see people succeed and, and do well. And, and we can only hope that, that that's the direction you're going. So it's, it's going to be exciting to see that develop. Um, well, first, I appreciate that, too. I think that's a good tagline for the show. <laughs> there you um, go. Time away from your family a little bit more. You know, just hurt your family a little bit more. <laughs> so, uh, Goody, the NFL's given us plenty of news this week As we, if we want to jump, jump into that and neglect our families a little bit. Uh, top of the list for me has to be the Super Bowl champions are getting re- hit hard by people opting out. First, one of their premium offensive linemen. Now a running back that helped carry them to that Super Bowl uh, championship. I, I guess the quarterback might have had something to do with that, that too, but Damian Williams seemed to have been a key cog. So um, so talk to me. Do you think uh, – are you part of the crowd that is now clamoring for CEH in the top five in both seasonal and dynasty formats? Probably higher on him in dynasty than I am in seasonal, and I would say the reason behind that is, especially in something like a reality sports online format, is just obviously opportunity plus skill plus skill set equals fantasy gold. Um, I I think that from a seasonal perspective, they still, you know, in theory, they have a guy who has been in that system in in Daryl Williams. So who's familiar, who's racked up some fantasy points, as, you know, Matthew Berry said in his video today from vacation, um, basically was averaging about 15 a game in the, in the time he saw. So I think really it boils down in CEH's case from a redraft perspective on how well he can pass protect and grasp a very complex Andy Reid offense. I think over over long term, you're, you know, you're talking the classic age apex opportunity thing that you know Matt Kelly came on our pod recently and talked about so I I think yeah yeah especially not in a timeshare like in theory um and if that timeshare is a timeshare you're looking 70 30 probably at at worst I really like it from a dynasty and a reality sports online perspective and you know this is probably bumping bumping you up eight million bucks a year and and I'm sure that when when our good friend Sal joins us in that are so friends of reality pod guest league i think you know between like graham barfield who's a ceh stand and some others i think there's gonna and you luke i mean mean, there's gonna be a lot of money thrown at that guy you know come whenever we decide to do that auction fair enough and sal so two things there obviously yes we are super hyped you are among uh, like a lot of like really really quality people that we've had on our show that are coming into this this league and it's going to provide some great entertainment i hope for our listeners uh, are you on record anywhere in the before this? Like throw throw aside the CEH news. Were you were you team CEH or C, team Jonathan Taylor before this news? Like are you on record with that anywhere this offseason? I'm on record everywhere that yeah. I was team CEH. I okay. was on record that he was my 101 hands down because I thought he stepped right into that pass catching role in, in on a, on a, a fully established offense with the best quarterback in the league. And I, and, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't worried about anybody else. Damian Williams was obviously still going to play a role there. And quick aside, I'm drafting in the No Kid Hungry uh, Charity League, and I drafted Damian Williams yesterday um, yeah. for as my third running back in that league. And that's a, there's a good five flexes in that league. So that hurts because I was expecting him to be there and still be part of it. But, yeah, I was heavily Team CH in Dynasty, but specifically in redraft over Taylor this year because I just feel like Marlon Mack will still play enough of a role in that offense to take enough away from Taylor. But where I saw CEH playing a different role than what Williams plays, this just amps it up. I mean, I wish we had that auction a little bit sooner, so maybe I could have got it cheaper. But um, this is this is the deal with fantasy, right? This is why we love it. This is why we hate it. Yeah, you guys allude to the same thing, I and mean, both of you correctly. I think for CH lovers, there there was 
a groundswell of support in the community for JT lately. And, and he was becoming more expensive in RSO than CEH. And, and those days obviously are just, have just been obliterated. And I think even people who love both of them like me, and, but who has come down pretty hard on the JT side, like has to take the L on this one short of Marlon Mack sitting out the season. I, I don't see a way, as you say, a path to the kind of volume JT is going to be to like compete with CH opportunity at this point. So yeah, no, that, that was just so fun off the jump and it let, it got me thinking and Sal, I want to start with you on this one. Is there a player, because I started panicking a little bit like any player too, as I, I was elated for those rosters that have CH on them. And then I started thinking, is there a player that I'm so overweight on this year and I so believe in that it would be truly heartbreaking for me if this player set out. And I guess that's, there's different answers to that question, like someone you love on your own team, someone you love on your fantasy team, and someone that you're just heavily invested in as an analyst. Are, in any of those scenarios, is there a player that you're like, please wrap this person in bubble tape and keep them? <laughs> well, in, in, for my dynasty leagues, my bigger name players that I own more than anybody would be uh, Derrick Henry and, and Julio Jones. And I think you need to wrap Julio Jones in bubble wrap every day of the week. Yes, we don't get the ankle issues constantly with those those lower leg issues. So if those two guys were to be like, meh, I'm opting out, which I can't see either one of those particular guys doing it, that would hurt a lot of dynasty teams for me. I was speaking earlier about how I seemingly have a ton of Brandon Cooks in redraft leagues this year because I think that he's really dropping in ADP, and I'm so happy to scoop him up as a wide receiver three to flex this year as a guy who, if all things go right, with 166 targets vacated on average the last five years by DeAndre Hopkins, he could really jump into the wide receiver one conversation. Do I think that's the reality? No. I think he's probably a wide receiver too. We've seen him have big years in the past, and there's a case to be made. I seemingly have him everywhere. So those are the guys I would say would hurt me the most. Goody, I'll I'll jump in here. I You know, I don't have him necessarily a lot of places but the places I do he's crucial to my team I made a couple moves for Todd Gurley in the offseason with his depreciated price and my belief in the Atlanta offense and it struck me that a lot of these players who are opting out don't have a lot of loyalty to a new organization they've just become a part of and I'm starting to get nervous that someone and Gurley strikes me as like a thoughtful guy who doesn't necessarily need to put his life and livelihood on the line anymore um, because he's been paid already it's players like that that I think, you know what, as we all sit at our homes and contemplate what kind of moves we're going to make come the fall, if I'm a multimillionaire and already vintaged myself playing a game that I love, maybe I'm not just going to jump in there for a disease that could harm me too. And so I worry about guys like Todd Gurley. I, I worry about some of the big names that have already been paid, right, like that aren't, that aren't hitting the field because they're still seeking that first paycheck, that first big payday. What do you think, Goody? Yeah, I can see that. I mean, Gurley, before the play, before they struck an agreement with the NFLPA, made some overtures about that that he had, you know, that he hadn't seen language that was to his liking. So I can definitely see that. I mean, I I don't play in a ton of leagues, so I don't know that I'm overweight on anyone, you know, in particular. I mean, I have Christian McCaffrey in two leagues. I don't think that's happening. You know, I, I think in terms of my curiosity, there's two fantasy star well at least one fantasy star and one that I just am curious as heck to see what you know what's behind the door this year first off I I want to see DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona and see how that plays out so like if he were to if he were to opt out for whatever reasons unbeknownst to us you know on on that new team you know I I would be kind I would be sad that we would be deprived of a year of, of that you know, obviously these players have to do what's best for them and their families. And I really hate when people on Twitter are getting negative about it and how they impact your fantasy team. Like who cares? Like, especially in reality sports online, I think that we're, you know, our our founders are coming up with, you know, and Kyle are coming up with something to address these types of things. And we'll see if there's a higher profile guy than Damian Williams, you know, so far it's been Damian Williams and, and the fastest Goodwin that is not my relative cousin Marquise, Um, you know, know who who have opted out but um the the other guy for me is I would be incredibly sad if someone like Darius Geis 
had to opt out just because I think, you know, maybe finally he's healthy, you know, he's healthy. He has opportunity in front of him. And, and I just, you know, on the Washington football team, and I, I would really like to see what he could do in, you know, a semblance of a full season with being a potential bell cow type. That's well said. And Sal, I think on a, a much funner note, and, and our listeners all know that you run this massive podcast surrounding a big event in the offseason. And it was just a real point of Goody took a day off. Like it was a nice pivotal point in this offseason. I'm on record thinking that there's no chance that we don't have a season. I really think the more I think through the fact that these are young guys, the fact that I was willing to put my life way more on the line when I was young, the fact that they only have a tiny window to make a lot of money, the fact that the owners don't really care about them and the fact that we're all desperate for spectacle. That means every single stakeholder is invested in playing and not anybody's really invested in shutting this thing down. So I think perhaps against their best interest, a lot of these players are going to keep playing and I, and I pray for them, wish well for them. I hope that they're all okay. And I think they should be wrapped in bubble wrap because they're spectacular athletes. But the fun note that I was thinking of is you do all this with the, that, that podcast and you're just on it for 24 hours for the potathon. During that time, does it become a blur or did a couple insights bubble to the top as like you have the best and brightest in the industry and then like schmucks like Goody and I come on the program? Were there any, were there any kind of ideas that hit you that you're like, wow, I hadn't thought of that until I heard it echoed a couple times along the way? Yeah. Um, and as, as one of those fellow schmucks, I appreciate you guys, believe me. I mean, we're, we're, the world is not the world without us schmucks. So, you know, right off the top, one of the first – Speaking of Curtis Patrick, what a group of smart guys over there at Rotoviz. He made me think about Joshua Kelly this season more than I had really thought about him. Last year, when the Melvin Gordon holdout talk was going on, I was Team Jackson. I was all Team Jackson. I had no Eckler, zero Eckler. And my best friend, who I rent from and live upstairs from, uh, he was Eckler, Eckler, Eckler. So he got the last laugh with that. And so going into this year, I'm like, oh, well, you know, they're going to need two guys. And Eckler, they, they've already said Eckler's going to play the similar role, which led him to a top four ranking in PPR last year, which is amazing. But there's still going to be a, a thumper and a guy. And I'm like, oh, maybe Jackson, he's not the body type for a thumper, but maybe he's going to play that role. And I just wasn't thinking of Joshua Kell because you hear it so much about Cam Akers and JT and CEH and Dobbins and all these guys. And Kelly's good, but it wasn't really – Curtis made such amazing points, and I was like, oh, I'm grabbing him. I grabbed him a little bit ahead of ADP in the uh, SFB. I'm grabbing him in other places. I did a bunch of best balls after that, a open bar best ball, and I'm grabbing him everywhere I can because I think he has a chance to be a real surprise as a rookie. There's other bigger names being talked about. So that's one. There's a lot of it that is a blur, but when it's brought up to me, I'll remember it. Um, just a lot of smart people. I, and I think we do a lot of non-football talk on a show like that, too, because it becomes so monotonous when we continue to hit the same points over and over again, like Kevin beating the damn Cam Newton stuff into the ground, which was a hot topic, you know, July, you know, back around July 4th when we did do that show. So, but I would say the Joshua Kelly thing was one thing I really took away from there and was happy to have him on early before the drafts kicked off. Yeah, that's a fun name, precisely because recent guest Matt Kelly, the podfather, has a lot of love for him, and um, some really smart guys, like even like Evan Silva, who have talked about the slow pace of play that he thinks is going to happen out there with Tyrod Taylor as the quarterback and the, the history between the offensive coordinator and head coach and, and Tyrod. And so that certainly benefits the thumper, as you say, and may diminish the opportunities for Eckler a little bit. And so, yeah, Kelly's one, and Kelly's one that like, Frankly, he's one of these players that if you like him, there's no excuse not to get him. Whether it's a RSO format or whether it's a, uh, a snake draft, you always you can just like him one round more than the next guy, and it's pretty easy to go get your guy. And, and I like players like that. It, you can kind of put a flag in and go get him whenever you want him. So now, now, good. You actually like in addition to you know buying some love with some red vines and uh, and you're like you're a, a good and kind of true and genuine fan of the potathon too. And 
and kept pointing me to like really good moments of the broadcast. Was there anything that stood out to you that you were like, that that's fun. Like that's something that I want to walk away from, from the potathon with. I think there were a couple, I think, you know, I listened to it in, in fits and starts or whatever. And the first night just listening to Ray GQ talking, like gave a great story about, you know, that he, went to college with Danny Woodhead and just talked about example of something that, that happened in like a practice or something. I think where he had, he had to like wrap him up and just didn't touch him or something. I don't remember the exact details of the story, but I thought that, that was really interesting. Obviously, you know, it was the wee hours of the morning, I think for the East Coasters, but Vincent Smith came on too. I mean, right after us, Nando Dufino was on, who's somebody, I just one of the great people in this industry. I mean, I, I interact with Nando a fair bit. He was in one of our reality sports online leagues for a year. And I forgot to mention that on what, during our segment on the pod. But then, you know, he kind of graciously ceded some of his time to Shane Battier, you know, former Duke Blue Devil, Miami Heat, NBA champion. So, like, I, I think there there was those things. And then, obviously, like, when you when you make this a global experience too and you have folks from Norway folks from Ireland folks from Australia that's that's pretty pretty cool I mean granted I don't want to be randomly placed in a 12 12 team slow draft with any of those folks on the time change but um you know I want to be a fast drafters like you know the Matthew Berry crew or whatever but um yeah it's that's just really interesting to me on like what all the stuff that gets pulled off there and I guess for Sal a question about that and I asked Scott the same question when he came on later that week you know he kind of talked about like the green room experience and the behind the scenes I was just curious if there was if there was like a blooper reel or anything else that happened from this year that like just something that kind of was very interesting that like the general public didn't know that you could share like it was there anything like like also like what are you guys eating in between these things when you're trying to like actually nourish yourself going through 24 hours well the crazy thing to me and steve is the youngest of the three of us but i think he's 34 i think kevin's closer to his late 30s maybe 38 now and i'll be 46 in a week that steve drinks that steve actually goes into a 24-hour venture where stamina is key and puts six cans of beer, well, IPA, into his body. And he made it. He makes it every year. You know, we've done this. This is the third year that we did it. So that, to me, I, I can't even imagine. And I'm a beer drinker, man. I love beer. But I know I'm 46. I need to get through 24 hours. And, yeah, doing it this year, starting at 8 o'clock at night on a Sunday, where in the past we've started at 9 a.m. and noon, where we basically roll out of bed or we could sleep in, we were up for like 30 plus hours, man. We were up for 30, 32 hours. These guys got young kids, you know? So, you, you, you know, I don't know what, you, what your guy's situation and how old your kids are. I know uh, Goody, you said something about a 10-year-old son. I don't know what the rest of the dynamic. My kids are teens and 20s and college, and I tried to take a little bit of a nap before we started, but that added another dimension to it. So for me, I eat one big meal before we start, and then I try to go very light the rest of the way. Water. Um, maybe a Gatorade here and there, maybe a an energy drink. But hearing you say back the thing about Battier and Vincent Smith, obviously those were highlights for me. Those go without saying. At about 5.30 a.m. East Coast time, I got a knock on the door. You know, and I record the Potathon from my best friend's office. Because as I mentioned earlier, I live upstairs from him. He doesn't want to hear me for 24 hours. Uh, my living room is above his bedroom. So we made an agreement in 2018 that I'll record the 24-hour show at his office. So his company is Seven Red Productions. You've heard me say Seven Red Production Studios numerous times because that's my homage to him. I get a knock at 5.30 in the morning. I'm like, who the F could that be? And I open up the first door and behind the glass door is, is, is Andy Singleton. And I'm like, what is this guy doing here? Like, how did he find this place? I never gave him the address. So I open up the door and, and, and Andy and I have talked before and we're both New Yorkers, but we never met in person. He invited, I got so many stories, guys. He came on the very first Potathon, and he was so excited that Scott was on at the same time as him. He invited Scott to his wedding, and Scott couldn't make it. Scott lives in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andy, I'm available. Welcome. He invited me to his wedding. I had never met the guy before, and it didn't work out. It was a weekend I had work, and it didn't work out. I didn't go, and I regret not going, to be honest with you, but we became good friends. You know, like we all have friends online that we haven't met in person, right? 
But there he is, 5.30 a.m., knocking on my door with a, with a ham, egg, and cheese, a bacon, egg, and cheese, and a coffee. And he That's comes great. and hangs out for like two hours, live on the air, and I'm eating that bacon, egg, and cheese and drinking that coffee. And, and he's kind of sitting in for me. I'm there, and I'm going to make a face. So that's a really memorable, uh, awesome moment. He leaves. He goes to work. He's a New York City fireman. So thank you again, Andy, for your service. If you, you know, put your life on the line every day for the people of New York. And like two hours later, my buddy, whose office it is, shows up. He's got the bacon, egg, and cheese. I don't tell him Andy came. I eat that bacon, egg, and cheese, too. So <laughs> my plan was not to eat that heavy. And so I know we started talking about food. But, man, they went down easy. And it went down really well. And I didn't eat uh, a more heavy food until the whole show was over. But, yeah, there wasn't anything crazy behind the scenes. Scott Scott does get the link to the whole show, and he's able to come in and out whenever he wants because he's the man. This is what it's all about. So he'll leave the link up. I don't know if you guys noticed that when you were on the show. He's kind of just in the bottom. He'll pop on when he feels like it. I guess a good blooper is, do you guys have you guys gotten to know Chase Vernon at all? Have you seen him around? I have so, not. Chase is a guy who – I did a COVID stream back, the, uh, the quarantine stream, we called it, back in March. Like when the country was first shut down, New York was really shut down at that time, and people were home, people were out of work. We did a 12-hour live stream to try and raise money for um, Feed, Feeding America, I believe, was who we donated it to. And it wasn't anywhere near the money we did for the pot but hey, every bit counts, right? I put an ad on Facebook about it to, to get more ears and eyes and Somebody's like, oh, you got to get my man Chase Vernon on there. I'm like, oh, who the hell is Chase Vernon, you know? Who are all of us at the end of the day? But he's a guy who is doing this same stuff we're doing on Facebook. Facebook is not a fantasy football hotbed. But he's in a chat and a discussion with a, with a boatload of people. And he's got his own little thing going over. And I'm like, oh. So I reached out to him. And he's like, oh, dude, I'd love to come on. I said, well, this show's book, Chase. But stay in touch with me for the pot he sent me a copy of his show. He does a one-man show. And I call him a kid. He's in his early 30s. He's polished, man. I'm like, oh, this guy's good. He's informed. He's knowledgeable. He's really good. I gave him a couple of pieces of advice. He wanted my, you know, you know, my advice, my feedback. And I said, listen, do this, change that, do that. And I booked him for the show. He was on at like 2 a.m. But he loved it. But he wanted to be, he was so worried about not being prepared for his bottom appearance that he kept jumping into the background to make sure his mic was working. And I kept clicking on him and bringing him on the air. And he's like, dude, I'm not ready. I want you on TV. I'm hearing the audio that I'm getting the audio. He was freaking out. And that was a funny behind the scenes thing. You know, not, not even bringing up like to Luke's uh, point before, I guess a lot of it is a blur, but it starts to slowly come back. And what a good, what a good guy. And he was, um, he had 30 something followers on Twitter when I found him and he's at almost 500 now. And he did a thing where he said he would uh, donate, I think it was $10 a follower until he got up to $500. And the, the viewers made him pay that $500. Yeah. He yeah, paid yeah. that $500. It went up really quick. And he's been growing. And now he's writing for uh, Dynasty Happy Hour. He's writing, he's writing for another site. Um, I apologize off the top of my head. I can't remember. But here's a kid who is good and, and he, nobody knew who he was. And he keeps thanking me, and I'm like, but you put the work in. All I did was put you in the right place or help you get to know some people, and people have done that for me. So the amazing thing, and we're rambling on, right? And if I'm rambling, guys cut me off, but the community is amazing. And the reason the pot of thought works is because of the community. We didn't raise $42,000. The community raised $42,000. We're just the, you know, the vessel, so to speak, that it came through. I had a good idea in 2018 but without the community and without the, the big names coming on and continuing to do the show, none of it exists. So to you guys, to those guys, to everybody, big, small, oh man, we, we make it happen. No, that's so well said. We'll pause for a moment and talk about more of those good ideas on the flip side of this. For Now, Sal, you've got plenty of good ideas. Uh, and one of them, uh, we started to hear about off air, but I wanted you to save it for when we were on air. Uh, we try to be good and attentive to our guests. And I was asking about your name, uh, whether it was pronounced with the soft E or the hard E, like the good Irish name, Sal Lido, of course. So, um, yeah. So, no, yeah. I mean, in so many ways, you remind me of the good caricature of New Yorkers that, that shaped a lot of my like early marriage and things like that. Just like some lifelong friends that I made. So talk to us about that last name. Where's that coming from? And like, what's, and what's the story behind it? I appreciate that, right? New Yorkers get a bad rap, but a lot of us are good. 
are good people. So I was always kind of disappointed that I didn't have a good Italian last name. You know, my, my father was born in Sicily, and, you know, there's, there's so many D'Angelo's and, you know, all the stuff, good, hard Italians, and I have Lita. And all my school teachers always called me Leto. As you asked me when I first came on, is it Leto? And I'm like, no, we actually, it's always been Lita. I've always had to correct, and I had this one phys ed teacher, Mr. Roush, who knew what it was, but he called me Leto just to drive me nuts all the time. Not too long ago, and um, Matt, as we spoke earlier, I'm a blue-collar guy. I've worked construction my whole life, and I was doing some work at a local Sears with some flooding issues, and I had to wear a handwritten name badge every day that I went there, so security knew when I was in early, and there it was. The security guard walks up to me and says, oh, your last name's Leto? And I'm like, no, it's Lito. She's like, no, it's not. I'm like, oh, oh, it's not? <laughs> like, this is my name my whole life. It's not? She goes, no, there's, there's a chance we might be related. That was my grandmother's last name. I'm like, oh. And she had the good Italian accent, and she, she spoke the language. That's another thing. My father did never taught us to speak Italian. Like, I don't speak Italian. And I, and I kind of hide that from people because I'm disappointed that I don't speak Italian. So she taught me how to actually say my last name properly. And I, I called my father. I'm like, 40-something years. You're going to tell me how to say our last name? I'm like, I run into a woman today who sees my name on the ID badge, and she tells me that I've been saying my last name wrong for 43 years. He's like, ah, you know, that's the American way of saying it, you know. So I just never – my thanks. Thanks for keeping me in touch with my heritage, Dad. So, yeah, I found out after 43 years how to actually say my last name. And it's not Leto, and it's not Lito. It's Leto. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And that, that does remind me, isn't it funny when we find out that these players that we've been trying to talk about for so long, when they come on to an interview and they're like, actually, my name is uh, pronounced uh, like Deontay instead of like Deontay or something. Like, like, Tarad. It's Tarad. Yeah, right? exactly. The Tarad was the big one. I was like, <laughs> okay, all right. Well, we, we, we messed that one up. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, we, we, we are in a good spot. And as you say, I, I love the community. I love meeting guys like you. And, you know, like, like your story with your co-host is not different than, than, than Goody and I. We, we just met doing this. And I'll never forget when my family, I was getting together with my best friends from college. We were, we were finishing our tour of the United States that we started after graduation. So we had traveled to, to 36 states right after we graduated college. And then in the intervening years, we, we kept having reunions every five years. And for our 15th, we hit our 50th state in Alaska with our families. And we had to depart on a cruise from Seattle. When I tell this to Goody, he's like, oh, you should stay at my place. And like, I'm totally comfortable with that because I love traveling. I love meeting people, seeing the community through the eyes. I was like, good, he's my boy. We've been doing this thing for like a year-ish. And, uh, and my wife was like, have you ever met this man? And I was like, no. And I'm like, I'm like, but it's not like we're going to like a bachelor pad. He's got like kids that are our, our kids' age. It's like, you know, she, she's, like, she's like, all right, if we end up murdered, that's on you. And I'm like, cool, cool. Thank you for that. I, yeah, I don't know. There, there are some RSO GMs out there I've met that I, <laughs> that I, I, th I think your, your wife may have been onto something, but um, no, it helped that my son was away at camp and it was a good time. It was a good time when you came in. And of course, like anyone I, you know, in this community like that, I, anytime that they'd be passing through here, I, I would certainly like meet up with them or if I had the ability to have them stay, you know, in a non-COVID world, we'd figure it, figure it out. Cause I think that's that's what this, what this community is about, you know. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping I can get back east at some point. <laughs> I am long overdue. I mean, I don't know about you, but I haven't met, like, our founders, Matt and Steven or Kyle yet. And we've done, you know, video chats with them and whatnot. But it, there's a lot of people in this community that this is, this is how I know them. So... <laughs> Well, that's very true. Like, the good idea that Sal had building on the good idea that Scott Fish had these are guys now that I want to say, like, the, it exponentially multiplies. It's not just like a, a one block on top of another. The fact that $46,000 were contributed by, like, these random faces and names that we've all come to know and love on Twitter is crazy to me. And in crazy in the right ways that the world needs at this point. And so I hope we keep building those ideas. Like, I, I, Scott Fish and I have been talking now. Like, I want to put DC at the disposal 
like to the extent that I can, like and use the connection again. It'd be fun to get this community together in person in a way that it's never been done before. That's that's another big like I would love to see you guys across a across a bar with a beer in our hands. So like it'd be a fun thing and really bring these minds to the same room and see what we can make happen. So listen, we, we gotta keep building on it, we gotta keep pushing it and, and that's why it's easy to root for for Sal over at like Rotoviz and like you know, like I haven't met a single person yet that's like uh, treated this as a competition and for uh, for a bunch of competitive dudes and ladies in this industry that's that's kind of funny like we actually like kind of pull for each one uh, the weird thing so. you know what happens with the people who do come in like that they're eliminated pretty quickly because the community <laughs> doesn't accept them the community's like okay wait, wait, this guy's he's out of here and nobody's going to give him the opportunity nobody's going to push their stuff nobody's going to yeah, it's just not that type of community. It's a very wide open, loving uh, group. Yep, sounds good. And yeah, so true, so true. <laughs> We're like, we got the antibodies in here. I like it. Like, and, that, and that's the beauty, right? Like, I, I, I have too much of like the passive uh, Midwesterner in me still, despite living my entire adult life on the East Coast. This is why I rely on my New York and Philly friends just to be like, listen, we just don't, we just don't deal with their nonsense. We just cut them <laughs> out. We just, like, we just yeah. Yeah, nice. Goody, take us home a little bit here. Yeah, we no, I mean, a few more things. Right, so. like, like if I have to don a Kool Aid Man costume to raise some money for an equal justice initiative and kids, the no brainer, <laughs> or whatever. I mean, I had the had the thing anyway, so it was just like, you know, I had to be like, I'm all in. I mean, I'm like, we just gave all this money to Feeding America and to, you know, V Foundation and all that, but like now we have some something else to to focus on. So I mean, it's also cool. I I hope that like next year maybe you guys get like Tom Everett Scott and, and James Roday or you know some of those guys on the pod too and, and Luke seeing as your buddies with James Roday from prior life we gotta get him on this one because like I I seriously do love those shows I'm um, a little things fan I'm yeah, right come on get the guy get him you get him on here and tell him he's coming on the, the pod That's fair I mean my first question for him about the show is how come nobody seems to like have a job in that show like yeah. especially him in that one but. you're living in COVID times I guess yeah. Yeah, so yeah, totally. I, I guess like kind of talking a little more more about football. We ha we haven't seen any, you know, obviously like from a reality sports online perspective, maybe somebody has Damian Williams, so, you know, for longer than a year at this point. Like maybe they were just extending the the dollars. Like, do do you have fears that anyone that you know a bigger name than that, who people you know who who would be viewed as say a, a top 24 at their position player is going to sit the, sit this thing out based on like what you know now about anything before this goes to sell i have two names that i and i actually want to hear a lot of his perspective on one of them and they're unrelated to the players but they're two really big names uh dalvin cook reporting to camp for the vikings is big but the biggest viking acquisition of the offseason was a guy a defensive tackle named michael pierce and i think the vikings will be a significantly worse team without him playing and I really do worry about, in general, with the, the division getting better and the Vikings' propensity and off year every other year to like not make the playoffs, I worry about the, the opportunity for Dalvin Cook to score as many touchdowns. So that's one of my, my first fears. But the one for Sal is that another big name that just opted out was Solder up there in New York. And, and one, of the, one of the offensive linemen for Saquon is not going to be in front of him. And that's a kid that I want to see succeed just because he's so pretty to watch run and, and play the game. Um, so Sal, I wanted to get your perspective. Do you think, do you think that is a, the kind of loss that changes the dynamic of the season for Saquon? Or is that something that it's still early enough that they can fix that? Well, he hasn't run against a, beyond a good offensive line yet, right? So he's been successful. But they really did uh, bulk up the offensive line. They drafted uh, a player. Nate Solder, did, he, he got overpaid. I mean, New England doesn't let guys go. That, that are worth getting paid, you know, guys that keep around. So he really hasn't been good in New York. They have some young guys, I think, that, that are going to step in and probably fill the role. So I don't think it affects Saquon altogether that much. I, I like the Giants offense. I like I'm – a, I'm a Daniel Jones guy. I, I have zero Daniel Jones stock in Dynasty, and I hate myself for it. I should have tried harder. I should have got him when he was reasonably priced because he's not going to be going forward. I've been on record as I think Evan Ingram – I thought last year he was going to make the leap, but then an echelon, uh, but the injuries held him back. So if he can stay healthy, it's just a good, I think they got a good young nucleus there. Shepard's got the, the head injuries, so that worries you. But Slayton was a, a pleasant surprise. So, no, I think New York, I think the Giants specifically will be 
will be fine. It might be a mess across town over there with the team in green, uh, as it's always been. But the Giants have traditionally always been a better team anyway. I think Saquon's in for a big year. I, I've, I've gone on record as saying I think Saquon and Nick Chubb are the best pure running backs. Um, a lot of people will throw Zeke in there, but I think for my dollar, those guys run better than any. That's that. I think you're right. And as someone who loves that, and and Goody's heard me wax about like it just of all things in sport, me watching a good running back is just poetry to me. It's like when I return to my happy place as a kid, and that, and and truly when I see JT run like that, I have Jonathan Taylor as the kind of running back like Saquon and Nick Chubb. That's why I like loved him more because well, I love guys like Ceh and Christian McCaffrey. They're all so fun to watch. Like that's a different kind of running. Like that, it may be a better kind of running for the health of the running back, but it but it's a different kind. It certainly is. It's like a different if it's a different world. So Goody, how about you, man? Do you have any that stand out to you as you worry uh, about like big name players? Well, I actually just thought about something like about the Jamal Adams trade and how much the Jets got back in compensation from from the Seahawks for a player that they're gonna kind of wait and see about giving the contract, namely on concerns of a declining cap. Our so GMs are asking about a declining cap. I think that the short answer is our so will have a solution for that, whether that's prorating salaries, whether it's not a substantial enough decline to, for people to really be losing out in next year or whatnot. So I, I think that, I think that was interesting. Um, I, I mean, the, the other question is just like how quickly people are, kind of coming back from injuries and everything else it's you know you're seeing news that like Jarvis Landry on my Browns may not <laughs> be ready like Debo Samuel with the with the foot injury so I think there's there's starting to be some momentum on on the Jalen Hurd train I, I feel like kind of man the, the middle of that field so I, I I think there there's definitely some interesting things I I don't know what the news will hold it seems like guys you know that are that we know are high risk like a like a James Conner is going to play he said so I I think you know yes he still has in injury propensity but you know from a COVID perspective I, I think that you know you're just gonna have to go with the flow you can't you know as a fantasy GM you, you can't really control what, what's going to happen out there and you know with the absence of bubble like the NBA you don't know if there's going to be stops and starts and how when this season's going to start and finish and what they're going to consider a season if if it if it's not you know the full 16 games that that we're used to and how bye weeks and everything else play into it so I think you know the, the moral of the story is is be be flexible you know, both as a league and, and then like the platform will, and reality sports online will do everything they can to make it as fun of an experience as possible. I mean, you know, but the, rea the, rea the reality is for the three of us, at least and those who are in the Scott Fishbowl, that that could be the most fun we've we have this football season. And, and I, I hope that's not the case. I, I sincerely do. But that that is that is a possibility. And if that possibility raised 46K for Equal Justice Initiative and Fantasy Cares and, and you know, the money we raised for Announce the Pick and, and all these other charities that, like, people donated to on their, on their own volition, which we, we haven't even quantified. I mean, then, you know, then this was, this was all worth it and we'll resume when, when we resume. And as you say, the platform is going to take care of you. In the days to come, we're going to have our founders on to talk through a lot of options and ideas for leagues about how they can deal with this stuff. On a final note, on a fun player strategy note, and, and I, and I am, uh, have a world of hope that we, we get to see some semblance of a full season. What do you guys think when it comes to the players that are still floating out there? It seems like they might have more opportunity, like the Devontae Freemans of the world, the Lamar Millers of the world, like these names that were prominent for us two years ago, first half of the draft picks, and now kind of reside in limbo. In, in the league's free agency. Is there any player like that that you're intrigued, that you're, that you're saying like, this is, a, this is somebody people better get their hands on now before their value pops? I think the first guy is Devonta Freeman. I mean, you saw that name bandied all over the place today. <laughs> as soon as the Damian Williams news broke that, oh, he'd be a great fit there, he'd be this, he'd be that. You know, they, they signed DeAndre Washington from the Raiders uh, last year. He is there and he filled in well for Josh Jacobs last year when he needed to, and he's had success in the NFL. So I don't know that it's a for sure thing that Freeman is there, but I think he's the first guy that gets signed 
where necessary. Keyshawn Vaughn was placed on the COVID, you know, restricted list in Tampa. And we've heard his name mentioned there, how he'd be a good fit there. So I don't know what Lamar Miller's future is. Uh, I think Lamar Miller was a talented guy um, who just had a lot of bad luck. So I don't know if I, if we see him this year. Like you said earlier, Luke, I think the season gets played. I think based on what we saw with the Florida Marlins and the MLB going, oh, hell no, we're not shutting this league down because one group of morons wanted to go out and screw up one organization and 29 other organizations have done the right thing. We're not, you know, I think they could learn from the mistake of the Marlins allowing a player to decide that they'll continue to play. They let a captain of a team, a team leader, say, hey, four guys tested positive, guys, but we're going to go forward. No, you morons. So the NFL still has this um, time to learn from what all these sports are doing. They're not going to have the bubble. We've seen the bubble work great for hockey in the NBA so far, except for one guy who stopped for chicken wings. Uh, <laughs> Those were good-looking chicken wings in defense. I saw the <laughs> picture or whatever. I was like, <laughs> so, I, you know, I, so I, I hold out the hope for what both of you guys say. I think we're going to get a season. We're going to get some form of a season. But, yeah, I think I think, uh, I think Devonta Freeman is the guy I'm going to I'm going to look the draft right where I didn't get where I lost Damian Williams in that draft yesterday where I took him. So good Very name good. as well. And this, this the fun one for me, because I always loved him as a character. I thought he brought a ton of joy and, and just spectacle to our lives. Will T.O. put on an NFL uniform this year after blazing out there? I mean, man, we, like you, Sal, he's your age. You just described it. He is your age on the button. That guy is running like a 4-4 at slowest. Like, that guy is fast. Like, he is. <laughs> you know, I put out a, a tweet yesterday. Um, is it a high point or a low point in my life that I'm, doing TRX in my living room in my jockeys and my slides. And a lot of people said, hey, that's a high point. That and is a high I point. Try to work out and stay in shape, but God damn, is that guy a freak, man. And I heard a good point made, and it is true. Terrell Owens was, was never an off-field issue. He was never really a bad guy. And he got kind of blackballed out of the league, I felt. I felt like he had more left and he could have been successful he's probably step on the field right now and be better than 25 percent of the guys on nfl rosters um i don't think we see him i don't i don't think somebody brings him in but boy it would be a great story i'll root for it i root for it every day of the week i i, I do think a former steelers receiver will be playing in the league this <laughs> year though <laughs> what a i mean even not even as a raiders fan who was spurned by him last year and he really did chicken organization in the Nards who put it, you know, put it out there for him, a coach that put it out there for him. I don't want to see him play in the league, but I think you're right. I think it's time for a guy like that to go away. Every time he doesn't get his way, he comes out and just trashes. Whatever. Listen, you're the fool, man. You're the guy who's gone out there and made a fool of yourself. And because people don't want to put their necks out there for you anymore, you, every time you leave somebody, you got to trash them. I, I, I'm such a big Russell Wilson fan. I hope he doesn't land in Seattle. I don't, I'd rather have Josh Gordon back in Seattle, you know, yeah. a guy who's got, you know, I, let's not even call it addiction. Marijuana is accepted in so many parts of this country at this point. That's been his biggest issue, really, is, is marijuana. He's not, I mean, Antonio Brown's got head issues, man. Right. I, I could definitely see one of those two guys resurfacing back up here. So, I, yeah, I, I think – I think it's interesting. Well, I, I think I, I, I agree with you on Lamar Miller. With respect to Devontae Freeman, I, I wanted to cite something earlier when we were talking about CEH. So obviously you mentioned the Buccaneers, you mentioned the Chiefs, the Eagles are another organization that may be looking in that direction. And those three, those are three pretty talented offenses at the running back position where somebody could come in and really well, like sorry someone could really come in and make a contribution and and as our, our friend to the podcast Graham Barfield um, has stated this week on Twitter that target that running back targets are worth about three times as many fantasy points as as carries I, I think that's obviously something interesting if you're looking at the Austin Eckler types and to a lesser extent Devontae Freeman, but like CEH and everything else. So never underestimate the value of a target, even though, you know, I do think some pure runner types like the, like the Nick Chubbs have so much positive, like 
positive touchdown regression with a, a real play caller. And, and so you're talking about somebody who, until it was botched by Freddie Kitchens, was going to lead the league in rushing last year, even with Kareem Hunt playing eight games. So, I, you know, I, I think there's there's a lot of interesting stories out there, and I think more will unfold that as these, you know, next couple, like as this next week unfolds with players opting out, opting in, what, you know, who, who has COVID, who, who doesn't, and how long the time horizons are, are going to last, basically. But it's fun, fun to be talking about real football and getting in these training camps. We'll hopefully be watching, you know, Hard Knocks sooner than later in Los An- from Los Angeles. And, you know, Luke, take us home. Yeah, gentlemen, I'm happy these players are back. Happy we are back in camps, as you say. And for both you and yours, I hope everybody stays healthy and whole as we, as we kind of gear up and kids go back to school, as it, whether it be college or high school or, or the youngins. And, and we get to start playing each other again and, and talking trash about, about stuff that doesn't matter online with, with little fake football. So, Sal, where can people go looking for you now if they want to hear more from uh, your words of silly and wisdom? <laughs> Listen, guys, I'm available every single day on Twitter. I think that that's the – the backbone of the fantasy community is is Twitter at Salito FF or at Salito FF S A L L E T O. Would it be Salvatore? Forget about it. Don't forget about it. Please show up. And you know, fantasy football funhouse at FF Funhouse on Twitter. We're part of DFPN DFP Network, which is Dummies Funhouse Podcast Network. We created with the Dynasty Dummy guys. Uh, you know, you find some great guys, great shows over on that network. Check that out. And coming to you this fall on the Daily DFS. That's what it's called, on the Daily DFS. You can check out that Twitter handle, too, for that matter, on the RotoViz Radio Network of shows. I couldn't be more excited to be doing that. But, I, you know, I like to interact on Twitter, and I think I got to cool back a little bit because I'll be uh, interviewing for a new job soon. And I heard they check your social media. So I might have to get rid of some of those Foxer videos where I'm cursing people out for a little while. Um, you know, just to cool down until I get that job. You know how it goes, guys. But, again, awesome to be on this show with you guys. Really excited to be a part of that league that you invited me in. There's some great names on there. And uh, I'm interested to get into this format. It's uh, not something I've played before, part of the uh, reality sports uh, online program. So, cool. Guys, thank you for everything. Thank you for all you did for the Potathon, leading up to the, uh, the promotion of the Potathon, the Red Vines. I mean, guys, it's endless. You're awesome. You're two great guys. My biggest takeaway from the Potathon is meeting new people, meeting you guys last year and getting to know you even better this year is one of the things I hold dearest right here in my heart. So, awesome, guys. Thank you. Likewise, right back at you. Thank you for making time for us. Goody, where, where can they go looking for you too, man? They can find me at Matt Goody2 on Twitter. And we have to think long and hard about what we're going to give, um, send to Sal and, and Kevin and Steven next year to, you know, to top the Red Vines, I think, and kind of raise the bar and try to start a movement. But hopefully maybe that'll be in person for some of us yeah and, and who knows now that i know that you're into cosplay as the as the kool-aid man like the, the, the new things were revealed to me this year so. hey if i could make a request for what you can send to me next year send me chicken wings wink wink oh there uh, you go there you know what you wink code for <laughs> yeah Ma- magic city right <laughs> uh. I'm praying for both your souls at this point. There's nothing I can do. So, well, gentlemen, this has been an episode of All About Reality. This is Fantasy Doc Ock, and have a good night. 